We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's your True Faith podcast. Newcastle United 3, Southampton 1. Bumper podcast today with some very special guests. You've got True Faith podcast regulars, uh, Alex Hurst, myself, Ben Wade, Charlotte Robson. We're also joined by Danny Olson from NUFC 360 and Roberto Rojas, who I'm sure you all know and have interacted with and seen on social media. We're going to speak to those two guys about the game that they were both at yesterday, talk about their trips as well and how they've you know, viewed this lovely city of ours in this beautiful part of the world and this fantastic football club. And that's what it felt like yesterday, Ben. A massive win, Newcastle United, Premier League football for one more season. Very briefly, some of your feelings about the win and how big it was for this football club. It was uh, massive. I think um, the, the first half performance was unbelievable. It was one of the best performances we've, we've put in. Um, quite some time, it was just so dominant. Uh, the intensity levels like we were just... All over them didn't give them any. Uh, I think Hayden's actually come out and sort of said similar comments around. Um, we just suffocated them, didn't give them any space. We were all over them, um, and it just it felt really, really comfortable. We probably felt like we could have scored a few more goals as well. I think two was was sort of the bare minimum really for for how dominant we were. Um, second half, a good tactical change from their manager brought on. Um, Lamina and, and sort of stacked the midfield and changed the game a little bit. We sort of hung on, but at the same time, I didn't feel like Southampton created many chances. Um, sort of clean cut, there was a few, but um, Perez's winner at the end there just obviously sealed sealed the win. And um, it's just it's it's huge. Obviously, it, again, we've, we're starting to look up again. It's it's a sort of case of where we're going to finish in terms of can we sneak into the top top half? Unlikely, but we're we're. Would at least looking that way rather than uh, looking backwards. So it's it's just a massive relief to to be in that position now. Twelfth in the league, um, the sun was shining at St James's Park. Uh, we're going to get into it all. We're going to talk about the context of the win, the players, the tactics, all this kind of stuff. Um, but we'll you know we'll, we'll go around the group first of all. I have to mention this podcast is supported by Fans Bet, the unique gaming company who give fifty percent of their net profits back to good fan causes. So if you're into gambling on football or whatever, give them a try. If you're not, stay well clear. We're, of course, uh, supported and sponsored by our lovely patrons who pay less than £2 a week for uh, a range of Newcastle United content. There's, you know, almost 300 people are on board. If you're not going to do it now, you never will. Get on board. Newcastle United have won. 
there's a chance the manager will stay. Come on, come and join us. The link's in the description. Try it out. Uh, we'd be very, very grateful, and you'll get a Newcastle United podcast nearly every day. We'll go around the room. Charlotte, you're you're relatively close to me um, <laughs> on the sofa across there. You know, can you just describe for the listener, you know, your day on Easter Saturday yesterday in the fair city of Newcastle? Yeah, so as you can hear from my voice, I had a good day. I uh, met you guys at the Hancock. We went to Hancock. It's got a lovely outdoor area and it was so sunny and so warm and lovely. Um, so a few pints in the sun with you all. Uh, walked over to the ground with my dad and um, and we were in the Milburn stand, which is not where I normally sit. A lot more quiet there than it is um, elsewhere in the ground, which was a bit of a shame, but didn't matter because the game was so good. Um, yeah, it was just a really good day. Um, really, just just felt really happy and and like I feel like I feel like it's like what write, people write poetry about. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's that's pretty much my day. What was your day like, Danny? Yeah, let's let's bring let's bring Danny in a bit more formally. So Danny yeah. has come across from Norway for this game. Uh, first game, I believe, in six years, yeah. five six years. And first of all, just introduce yourself to the listener, if that's all right. Um, <clears throat> well, I'm I'm Danny from Norway, uh, <laughs> and I um, I started the NFC 360 account. So uh, more or less, just based on my love for Newcastle uh, so yeah like? my day was uh, really good it really couldn't have lined up any better than it did with the weather uh, we got a nice early start sort of uh, and uh, match day result wise everything was just perfect there's really not much more to say it's just yeah how was how was uh, the atmosphere in Block V? Because obviously that's probably a little bit different to what you experienced last time, and obviously you in the singing section with us. What did you What did you think of that? Uh, <clears throat> it was difficult not to sing along, <laughs> so it was really really great because I I was expecting like maybe this could be a bit tiresome just standing up singing for like <laughs> ninety minutes, but those ninety minutes went by so fast. So last time I was here, I was in the in the Milburn stand, and fairly quiet there. Yeah. Compared to up in the Galway Gate. Fair enough. I mean, before we bring Roberto, when I thought the atmosphere yesterday across the ground was absolutely sensational. Um, you know, the sun was shining. Five thirty kickoff. It's always going to help, isn't it? A kind of well-oiled, exuberant home crowd. <laughs> Good result last week. Um, we said. Constantly, when we talked about it on the match preview for Patrons and on the the uh, some of the other stuff we did on Patreon that we really could have done with yesterday being a good game because the last home game of the season being Liverpool now quarter to eight on a Saturday, which is mental. Um, you know, Northumbria, please be delighted about that one. Um, but 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 that's a threat or a promise? <laughs> is that a threat or a promise? <laughs> um, one of it, you know, uh, yeah, okay, but. Anyway, that game, we're not going to have much of the ball. We're not going to have that many chances. And I think we'll do well against Liverpool. But it was great to get that kind of 
almost like last home game of the season feel yesterday where we had lots of chances. Everyone played really well. It was a really good game. In fact, it was very open. You know, we thought would Southampton come and frustrate us? Well, you know, I think they tried to, but couldn't. We'll go all of that in a bit. But um, just, just a lovely day to be at St. James' Park. And obviously, Block V is always bouncing, but I thought the rest of the ground, both in its support for the manager... The players, it was just an absolute privilege to be there. And it was one of those days when I've written this in the match report as well for True Faith that, like, there have been a lot of bad days, particularly the last 10 years following this football club. And even at St James's Park, you, know, you think back to the Leicester games, the Brighton games earlier this season, how far away removed that is from yesterday's experience. I'm just really pleased for the lads that, for you lads, that you got to experience, like, St James is at its best because that was it at its best and it's not always like that as you, you, you'll you know I could, I, could, I could barely hear the Southampton supporters all I heard was <laughs> when they no all I heard was when uh, they scored that was the only only time I heard them yeah um, let's bring in Roberto if that's okay so Roberto just introduce yourself to the listeners uh, if you can and then talk about your trip right um, I'm Roberto uh, Roberto Rojas I'm the um, person that has been just talking about Miguel Miron and his move to <laughs> Newcastle among many things um yeah, like Danny said, I think yesterday was kind of a dream come true, honestly. You know, going to my first Premier League game um, at Newcastle, it just it, it's kind of like the culmination of everything that's been going on so fast. You know, who would have thought that in five months' time beforehand I would like go into Newcastle and uh, go to a game at St. James's Park and to see a result like that. Um, it was great. I mean, like Nanny said, it had the makings of it, a wonderful day, beautiful weather, um, apparently not as normal as it is usually around this time. So I was like, okay, let's see how this goes. Um, you know, a couple pints, uh, good atmosphere. I was in the middle. Uh, thank you for giving me the, um, the access to, um, to Lee as well, Lee Marshall. Um, so I was like in the middle where the, uh, the press was and I was like at a perfect section where I could see all the all the action you could it's kind of weird too because you're like you know when you're like going to a stadium you know you're usually so far back and you don't really hear the, the players but there you could literally see like the action you could hear the players running i'm sorry everything you could see them running you could see all the the shouting from the manager the players that kind of stuff so yeah it was a wonderful wonderful game honestly for myself on a personal level i've always grown up watching the premier league um and to finally get the opportunity to go to a game and see an atmosphere like that uh, it was it was tremendous and really grateful for it very pleased to hear it and um i mean let's talk football then you you know you um you've watched um miguel Almir in a long time i presume right from his early days in, in paraguay um very sad what happened to him. Do you do you know much of what's what's going on right now right. with the injury? So Rafa said uh, at his press conference that they were going to assess the injury. Um, walking away from the um, after the game, he was walking back outside the um, the main uh, the tunnels, like heading outside. Uh, he was limping. He wasn't on crutches. He wasn't on anything that would have required some sort of support. So I would assume that he's fine. I would assume that it's not going to be something too serious. But I personally think, on a precaution level, I don't know what what the doctors would say or Rafa or anyone else that's more better esteemed than me to assess. But I think on a personal level with three games left into the season, uh, I think it would be best for him to rest up and not rush too many things because, you know, you got the Copa America happening in about 10 weeks time. You know, obviously it's a big tournament for him, uh, for Paraguay as well. And I think, um, but overall, I think besides that, I think he did pretty well. I think, I, I think you have to assess, honestly, his first two months in, in England as a success. I think that was kind of the, the goal in the end to, you know, to create chances and to, you know, change the way the, the team has played. Um, I think he's uh, achieved that first hurdle. So 
yeah, I think um, it's been a great few games for him. I think he's tr- done tremendously. It would have been nice to see him score a goal and not chop an assist. That would have been, you know, a perfect start to his uh, to his season. But I think now, I, I think you can't complain. I think after everything that has been said about him and all the the way that he plays, the way that he's so fearless, you know, the way that he's so fast, he's creating chances, you know, just changing the whole team tremendously and helping the team much better. Um, I think you can't complain. I think it's just a, a culmination of, of a good season. And I hope that for next season, when he gets his full 38-game season in the Premier League, that he could really demonstrate the, the force that he is. Couldn't agree more with you. And I think you're spot on about the first two months. He came, first of all, the remit would have been staying in the Premier League because he came to a team that was struggling the bottom. We've done that, so that's a huge tick. And then I think I'd, I'd be interested to know, and I don't have the stats, is there a player who has created more chances and had more shots on target without scoring than Alan Mirren? He's, he's, he's worked the keeper relentlessly in every game. It's not like he's having shots that go miles over the bar or anything like that. And it's, I thought even yesterday, I, this, I don't think this chance appeared on match of the day, but in the first half when you know he got right to the byline and had a shot and the keeper tipped it away that was like it was so unlucky not to score and I mean Ben let's talk about the, the first major incident and we'll get Roberto's view on this because he was much closer than me and you when it happened but your your view on Anthony Taylor not sending him off from, for Almiron against was it Ward Prowse? Ward yeah. Yes Ward Prowse the little rat yeah. um, <laughs> it was um, an absolute disgrace of a decision to be honest I think um the the letter of the laws or the sort of the the, the normal um, response referees will give is probably that you you're not t- going to send a player off uh, who's in the opposition half of the pitch. Um, however, <laughs> you, th- you can't view that decision just on based on on those grounds because he was the last man. I mean, it's their fault for for pushing everybody ridiculously high, um, so that shouldn't have come into it and. Um, he, he was the last man it's a two on one attack like Almiron's already knocked the ball five yards behind him and he, there's absolutely no chance he was going to catch him absolutely no chance um, to be fair he's done well to run five yards like in a line and catch Almiron so I'll give him credit for that the little rat but um, <laughs> scurried scurried over and took him out it was an absolute disgrace but um, just it, just an absolute disgrace like Taylor just absolutely bottled that like how you can justify a yellow card when it's it's a, how how do you say that's not a goal scoring chance? It's two on one, bearing down on goal and the the pace they've got. It was just a terrible, terrible decision. I think that's um, it's one. I don't know whether I, I think it was a couple of speaking with Danny. It was one of those where maybe if he'd taken a bit more time um, and spoken with the uh, the linesman. I know obviously the players ran to the linesman. Um, unfortunately, Miguel Anita. The poor, poor Ben ran down the the Antia. So yeah, it's because of you. <laughs> Bloody calling him Anita for years, Uncle Anita, um, running down and obviously got sent off for it. But the I don't know, know if the linesman had any input, but surely he sh- he should have been saying his last man. He was they were through. Like it, 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 he had to go. There's just no other um, explanation for it. And I think every other team, if you'd have put them in that position, would have been saying, "How the hell is that not a red card?" Two good points there. Number one, I think Taylor makes up his mind way too quickly. He he pulls out the yellow card straight away when he needs to think, speak to a linesman, speak to the fourth official. Um, And and number, you actually made a great point there yesterday in the game when you would say, you want your referee to understand the game, so look at what player has been fouled. There is no way they're catching. If that's Rondon who's fouled, I can see it. He's not going to get through and go. Now, when it happened live, I thought that, Almiron 
should have not tried to take it at random. I thought he should have passed to Rondon. And then, but then when you watch the replay, when you realise how much space there is and you just know Almiron is going to get a goal-scoring opportunity. And this is, it's like Huddersfield. Yeah. Huddersfield, he's fouled before he hits the post. He might have scored, you know, without having to, you know, it's all conjecture. And then this one here, you know, these are the situations in which he thrives. And I feel sorry for him that it didn't lead to a red card. And you know what? It, it, it's an easy call sometimes to, to say yellow card. Now, can, can you understand why the referee's given a yellow card? Yes, because he's so far from goal. But if he analyses that game situation, they are going to go through on goal. No one is going to get back. No one's going to get to stop them. The only person they've got to beat is a goalkeeper who has about 50 yards between him and the ball. It's a definite red card for me. And it's not the first time we've been totally shithoused by Anthony Taylor this season. I mean, the kind of, you know, Charlotte, you, you called him out for, for being bald on the podcast, <laughs> on the preview podcast. Or another bald ref, I think you called him. But, um, yes, yeah, his, his uh, hair situation bothers me much less than his... Uh, is, is a bit of your ref. That's not fair. That wasn't all I said. I didn't just say Anthony Taylor, another bald man. I did say that, but I didn't. I've called him out for Old Trafford yeah, this, earlier this season. People need to subscribe to Patreon. You know, subscribe to Patreon and you'll get you'll get this kind of premium part. It's just a shame though on on a weekend that we were all meant to be united as one. Um, <laughs> oh bald God. people, bald people in this day and age are still getting called out by podcasters I, I for one who's a man heading that way to join that uh, team um, find it very offensive and uh, I would like a, a full apology please for me I'm sorry the problem I'm sorry the, the problem you've got Ben is that the HR person for the True Faith podcast is Charlotte so <laughs> you've got nowhere to go Roberto you were you were very close to that incident and like could you see the uh, reaction of the players and manager, like what, like how, did they, presumably they all thought it was a red card. Ooh, I think even the fans that were just like absolutely, it was like a, a full blast of booing like all around the stadium. Um, but yeah, I think, like you said, I think a challenge like that. I think when you look at how much space that he got, it was a clear goal scoring chance. I mean, y- you could argue that perhaps uh, we don't know what could have happened, but I think in the challenge that he, um Warpost was in, I think. Yeah, I think it was deservedly a red card. Honestly, um, everyone was vivid. I mean, Rafa, the whole players. Um, yeah, it was just a, a rash challenge, and and honestly, I think it's just been a recurring theme. I think for him uh, all this season, I think that's just been one of the. I wouldn't say an issue, but it's always been some of the things that has been a bit hampered on his uh, debut season so far. It's just that how much he's been fouled, and that just shows how important he is. So, um, it's it's unfortunate. I think that it, perhaps it would have been changed uh, a bit differently on his performance if they were down to 10 men i think that would have perhaps been a different story but um yeah it was just a really harsh challenge and i i think like you said and taylor just was too quick on to give a, a harsh yellow, um, a yellow card on that i think if he would have assessed it with the uh, the linesman the fourth official i think there would have probably been a different uh, uh answer to that but it's one of my favorite moments of the season came of this though because at half time John Joe Shelby's warming up and the he's for some reason he's taking the ball to the centre circle um, and I think he's waiting for the ref and Anthony Taylor comes out and John Joe Shelby even though we're winning 2-0 and Shelby isn't playing and doesn't get on John Joe Shelby still has a massive go at him about, the, about that red card and, and Taylor's saying go away and Taylor's saying you're not even playing mate like what's it got to do with you I just I look we need more we need more of that and you know what fair play for I hope Rafa's been on it like the coaching staff 
it's it's high time we had someone sent to the stands. <laughs> like like we're too nice. We've, we've talked about this for years. That we're too nice, and it's good to see the lads getting stuck in. And um, you know, like we say, poor Miguel. Um, he's uh, you know, like another famous man. He's suffering for other people's sins. Uh, allegedly, we'll, we'll we'll steer it away from that. Almiron <laughs> yeah. has been starting a few matches now. How how do you think we'll set up in the coming next three matches then? Is that a good question. Who wants to take that one from Danny? Um, I think the. Oh, sorry. Did yeah, you want to? Oh, right. Um, I, I think the the answer was who who came on from. So Atsu uh, has been the one that's filled in for him previously. Um, it'll be interesting because I think there's a. Now we're we're probably safe. Um, we are definitely mathematically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't think it's that. No, Rafa, Rafa no, said no, mathematically. No, if if Cardiff win today, oh, right, so okay. if Cardiff get something at Liverpool, it's oh, technically no. not. But um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see sort of if Rafa does rotate things and rest a few players that have um, put in a hell of a shift. To be honest, for the the last few months, I'll be interested to see if there's some newer faces. I mean, um, we were talking last night, sort of. Uh, in the evening about what what he might do and in terms of are there any pro- sort of prospects coming through, um, so it'll be interesting to see what he does. But I think realistically, Atsu will be be the first player to to come in just because he's the most like for like. Um, obviously, the, the the style we play, the system we play, we need pace in the team, and, and Atsu's the the closest thing we've got to Almiron. He obviously doesn't necessarily have the the quality of Miggy, but. Um, he's, he's the closest thing we've got, and I think Raf, Rafa trusts Atsu as well. I mean, the fact that Atsu. Um, has still played a maintained sort of a a, a, a part in in the team um, since Almiron's come in. He comes off the bench a lot. It's been a few games where he's, he's even played. So um, that'll be the the obvious uh, change. But um, who knows? Rafa might just scrap the uh, playbook and and change formation and maybe try some some other new players. We'll have to see. I think it's a great question, Danny. I think you're you're totally right. That as we head to Brighton next week, um, and I, I've. Make no bones, I'm a Christian Atsu fan. Um but he's nowhere, he's not on the same planet as Almiron. Um yeah. So it, we are definitely weakened by that injury. And I really hope Roberto's right, um, thinking it might be okay because you know, because he wasn't on crutches. And I think I think we've got a great chance in that game against Liverpool and great I've got nothing against Liverpool as a team, but it'd be lovely to get revenge for ninety six. And I think we kind of probably only do it if Amiron is fit. We beat Man City without him, so it's possible. But I think I think Liverpool represent a different threat to Manchester City, and time will tell. And I, and I know we'll hear, but we have to move on. Um, and you know, Daniel, I'll come to you because I want to talk to you about what one of the players that you know there are players that fans look back at now, and you know, you listen to the, a lot of the retro stuff that we put out with Paul Lyon and Mark Corby through Patreon, and you know, we talk about games from the past, and there's players that people are like, he was a good player, but fans didn't like him, you look at the stats, and I think there are few players that divide fan opinion, like Jose Perez, 10 goals for the season now, yeah. a hat, his first hat-trick, he seems to be getting better and better, how did you assess his performance yesterday? Ah, uh, he was sublime. He couldn't have done anything better. And uh, I looked at him uh, a few times, and he is getting really good at like anticipating defenders trying to run into his body because he's already leaning into them as uh, as they come over. So he shields the ball really well and can still play on. And he's a good dribbler, so he he quite often gets away with it. So yesterday, a hat trick. It's well deserved. He uh, he had a great game. 
definitely and I think his, his three goals were really well taken and kind of showed his array of attributes so you know first goal you're thinking from particularly behind the goal where we are like pass 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 get in he's fucking scored sorry <laughs> um brilliant finish through the defender's legs literally perfect position so that's very skillful second goal he breaks the 100 meter sprint record to get on the end of that <laughs> rondon ball um third goal right place right time you know finishing that kind of fox in the box type, type mentality and that's you know, it's not the perfect hat trick, but it's a it's it's a different type of hat trick. You know, and it it shows how good he is. And you know what, scoring three goals in the Premier League. Uh, when was the last time we had a hat trick score in the Premier League? Does anyone know? Genie won it. Yeah, I was going to say Genie. Genie Wijnaldum. Yeah, Danny, Danny, and Ben both got it. Yeah, Genie Wijnaldum. We got Dwight got a couple in the Championship. He might have got three in the Championship. Yeah, Dwight, uh, Dwight Gale, Gale, um, and uh, as he's been. They called him that on Sky. They called him Dwight Gold on Sky the other day. Yeah, copyright Alex Hurst, 2016. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so I, to- I totally agree with you. In fact, Danny, we were speaking to someone pre-match, Kevin, who said that there are guys in the East Stand who if Perez scored three hat-tricks in a game, they still wouldn't be happy with him. They might, they might be just a little bit more positive towards him. Um, you know, Roberto, keen to get your thoughts on on the front three as a whole. You know, they've been christened the, th- the three amigos, two South Americans and one Spaniard. How do you think they did overall? Um, yeah, I think they did exceptionally. I think, as you said, I think you can make a more of a of a sensational performance from Perez to score a hat trick. You know, header, left foot, right foot. I think um, it's it's a it's a rare thing to see that. Um, I think to cap off a, a really a great day. Uh, I think Rondon was really well. I, I think he's. He's done exceptionally well, I think, uh, from what I've been able to see of him. Um, you know, obviously, I've been trying to follow as much Newcastle as I can ever since uh, Almiron joined. But just watching it, you could see that Rondon's that type of poacher. And he's also, you could also see that sometimes he's that type of creator. You know, he fed the ball over to Paris for the second goal. So, yeah, I think it's been, I think it's been great. I think it's great to see that type of front line of Rondon, Perez and Almiron perform exceptionally well. Um, I, I think when everything does click between them, uh, it, it functions. I think I, I go back to the game, uh, the first one against Huddersfield, um, where it was just like a, a great game from all of them, where everyone was just like, you know, feeding the ball and, you know, scoring and having a lot of chances. They, they do perform well. And I'm really, I'm hopeful that um, we could see more of them next season. Um, obviously, we need to see what happens with Rondon and that kind of transfer uh, loan situation. Perez, we need to see what happens with him and his future. And obviously, Almiron is there as well. But from what I've been able to see in the few games that I have of the three, I think they've been doing exceptionally well, especially when everything clicks uh, correctly. Good points. Um, same question, Ben. Or maybe talk a little bit more about why do you think you know? Do you think Perez has won over? the fan base there are no question marks do you think he'll always have his doubters because of the type of player he is yeah I think he's by by his nature I mean I think it, it's a positive and a negative his, his composure so I think a lot of people will see that as a lack of effort at times in terms of his um, for, for his defensive work so I think to be fair to him yesterday was he, second half he had to play a more defensive role in terms of he was tracking back with Bertrand and having to do a lot of defensive work and there's times where he's jogging back um, as Bertrand's sprinting past him and it's like, come on, mate, like bit more effort, get back, help out. Um, 
but I suppose at the same time, it's it's sort of him assessing the situation, just saying I need to retain my energy for when we need a break or or whatever. Um, but he he puts in a lot of work, and it's interesting. Like Danny made made the point yesterday, um, about how when you look at the, the stats, he's, he does he's one of the most sort of um, one of the highest work got one of the highest work rates in terms of the attacking players in, in the Premier League in terms of the ground he covers. And we've always said on the podcast, he does he's so key to Rafa. Um, Obviously, he's playing a slightly different role now. We've got Almiron in the team, but before Almiron arrived, he he did so much of the defensive work in that number ten role, just covering distance in the pitch, forcing teams to go back and have to restart. And um, I think he's transitioned now slightly differently, playing a little bit more of a wider role. Um, he has to come back a bit more, but at the same time, he's. I mean, you, you saw yesterday he was invaluable at holding the ball up, and some of the times where he would, would retain, he would get the ball and retain it, and it, it was a case of sort of jinking through a couple of players or um, t- taking players on and dribbling. But it was invaluable to to get the team out and sort of just allow the the landscape to settle, and then for Newcastle to rebuild and and play the back pass and, and start playing around the back and build from there. So um, he was he was key yesterday, and I think yes, there's, there's always going to be people that'll. And be frustrated by him at times because it doesn't always come off when he does try and dribble it out from the right back position. For example, uh, we've seen him a couple times caught in possession. Um, that will frustrate players because they think uh, the fans, sorry, because they think, "What the hell are you playing at?" But when it comes off, it's class and it it sets us off on the attack. So um, for me, like he's he's an invaluable player to this team. Um, he's put in a hell of a shift to be fair to him. Um, although it doesn't always, you don't see him, for example, sprinting like Richie did in the 80th minute yesterday when he covered about 40 metres in a matter of seconds and sprinting to, to try and hunt down a ball. You don't really see that from um, Perez. He's a bit more um, sort of slow-paced, but he, he does a lot of work. I um, I was with my friend's fiancé after the match um, and he was like, yeah, yeah, it was really good and really like pleased to see Perez do well. But I also like I just hate him. He just <laughs> he, he just moans all the time. He's always moaning. Yeah, and I was like, how after that performance are we like still here? To to say you hate a player after he scored a hat trick <laughs> for your team in the Premier League. Um, yeah, let's not name names. We don't want an angry mob going around his house. Is that what you think will happen? Quite possibly, you know why? Why Jose? Um, a lot of fans on Tyneside now. Um, that's a nice little anecdote there. But what what he's up against? Are the rot? You're right though. There are a lot of people that just won't have him. And, and, I, and I think about Perez, who came over as a 21 year old. Um, he's asked to play up front. Then he's asked to play as an out and out left winger. Then he has to redefine himself as a number 10 in one of the most difficult and physically demanding leagues in Europe in the Championship. Then he has to play in number 10 in the Premier League in the same position, but without the ball, whereas in the, the Championship we had all the possession. And then, then he has to change himself into a kind of left-hand 4-3-3 type formation, but also kind of cover the ground of a left winger. Whenever he's been asked to do something at this football club, he's done it. And it might take him a bit of time, but he's succeeded. And I think if every player... You know, that players from Newcastle had the same willingness to adapt as he does and the same ability to get there, we'd, we'd be in a good place. So I think he's a, a really underrated player. And is he, is he frustrating at times? Of course he is. But he, but he, he seems to have bulked up. He seemed, he's, he's hard to knock off the ball. Um, he, he wins headers. He, he turns over possession in crucial parts of the pitch, which is a big attribute and one of the reasons Rafa likes him so much. And uh, you know what? He's scoring goals and playing well. Um, four goals now in two games. That's that in the Premier League. That is no mean feat, particularly when you're at the bottom of the league. I mean, listen, we have only just got 
to an average of a goal a game, I think, from the first game of the season, because we scored one against Spurs and it was the first game. Ever since then, I'm pretty sure we've been behind a goal a game, which is really poor. You know, let's not beat about the bush. We're a very poor attacking side. And then Perez has got four goals in two games. Let's try and contextualise it a bit. That's some achievement in this football team. Yeah. I was just going to say as well, I mean, the, you've, you've already covered it, I suppose, but just the the effort he put in for the goals. I mean, that second one, he's he's sprinted from the halfway line, basically. And compl- he's, he's out-sprinted Ryan Bertrand, who's, which is no mean feat, as you say. He's probably broken the sound barrier to get there. Um, <laughs> probably probably why Bertrand doesn't realise he's there, because there's just no sound. He's just crept, crept up on him. Um, and the, the finish is absolutely brilliant. Like It was just such a, a great effort. And, but you could see the second uh, Rondon's played through, Perez has only got one thought on his mind, get to that back post and, and try and get on the end of something. It's a great ball from Rondon. Um, and just, just to sort of, Reiterate that the point um, Danny made earlier about how he's he's learning now, he's adapting, and it comes back to your point, his adaptability. He's he's learning. Well, in the past, he's always been criticised for his lack of physicalness, and um, if that's a word, I don't think it is. Physicality. Yeah, physicality. That's the one I was looking for. Um, and just he he was overpowered, and he spent a lot of time on the ground and and sort of running around, whatever. He's learning now that if he leans into the defenders and anticipates the contact, he can sort of take the initial sort of contact and, and then it allows him to um, sort of get on and, and start dribbling and run at the ball. So, yeah, I think you've got to give him a lot of credit for the way he's adapted and, and moulded his game to, to be able to play and contribute in the Premier League, which not, not all players are able to do. Yeah, so I've, I saw some stats earlier today, this morning, where... Uh, uh, how is how it's been every every month this season, or how how well it's done, and it's more or less been scoring ever since the team started doing well again. So he he might have been frustrating. We didn't win until November this season, uh, but he as as the team gets better, he gets better. Spot on. Yeah. And a word for Rondon: the ability to find players. Um, is it's not a mistake that that ball gets to Isaac Perez yesterday. He picks the ball up, he wins the ball when he has no right to, and he waits and he waits and he waits and he cuts inside and to produce a ball of that quality, again, for what Roberto was saying before about his all-round you know, performance since he's been at the club, he's a really good footballer, Rondon. Um, and it's not just about scoring goals. You know, We were talking on the WhatsApp group last night, when was the last time this is one for, maybe not for you, Roberto, but we'll see if you, you know, but one for you, Danny. When's the last time Newcastle had two strikers scoring 10 goals each, or two players scoring 10 goals each in the Premier League? Um, was it Cher and Ferdinand? Sooner, Sooner than, that. than that, that would be depressing. But yeah, yeah. yeah. most yeah. seasons we haven't managed it. Do you want to, do you want to know the answer? Yes. Bar and Cisse. Yeah. I was thinking, I was thinking, yeah. Bar and Cisse, uh, 11, 12. Wow. Both got more than, that's the that last was, time. That was uh, when Cisse came to Yeah. Yeah, that first season. Yeah, so, so when we finished fifth. Yeah, but yeah, um, that's sad, isn't it? That's, that's eight years. I know we've been out of the league one year. That's eight years since we've had two players in double figures. That's grim. Um, well, we're not in double figures. Not, not yet, but Rondon, Rondon will score. <laughs> so he'll, he'll get one before the end of the season. Um, I want to move on to the midfield. Um, and, you know, first of all, very impressed by our tactical decision yesterday to press the ball. That was what was noticeably different to the Palace performance was our willingness to press. And you could say the big difference there would have been the Leicester result. Rafa felt he had a bit more freedom. We really pressed them and the first two goals come about from turnovers of possession in 
their half of the pitch. And if you do that regularly, you're going to create chances, you're going to score goals. And that that kind of all comes as well as Rondon and Perez and Amion especially, I thought, really put pressure on their players at the back. But Isaac Hayden and Key, Hayden for the first goal, kind of won us the game, I think, in the first half. Charlotte, I know you want to talk about Key's performance, so... Why don't you take it away on on the the South Korean? Yeah, I just I was really impressed by Key in the first half. I was like he was creating chances, really, um, really just like all over. Like any time we needed him, he just seemed to be there. And I was really impressed, and I was sort of singing his praises at halftime. And uh, and then and then they changed formation. At, like who came on? Lamina. Uh, yeah, and and that changed uh, Southampton's game completely for the second half. And he just looked uh, uh, like like so different. He just couldn't deal with the pressure and couldn't deal with that the, that change. And you know we were still still good in the second half. It wasn't it wasn't the sort of first half dominance that we'd seen, but. It was a bit. It was much more nervous. I think, especially for about half an hour, the first half hour of the second half, I was a lot more nervous that uh, that Southampton were going to sort of equalise even. Um, and and I felt like a lot of that was him in the midfield there, like just just couldn't deal with it, just freaking out under the pressure. And um, yeah, I think that's um, one of the, one of the sort of the the few negatives from yesterday for me was. Um, the lack of reaction from Rafa when uh, Houston Hartle had, had obviously made that tactical switch to bring Lamina on. He took Stevens off the, I think he was playing in the left back or sort of left sided centre back. Yeah, left sided centre back. Um, and went to a back four and, and pushed up for that extra man in midfield because he, he, he recognised how well that press had, and it comes back to how the, that sort of point you were making there about the press Newcastle had in the first half. I mean, we'll talk about that quickly before the, the sort of tactics, the, 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 just the, I mean, it's the the athleticism of, of Hayden that we, everybody knows about. He covers so much ground and just, but he's got like, <laughs> he's got like such like gangly legs. He seems to like win the ball somehow. Like he, he's like, he's like a sort of a mind bender or something at times. Like, yeah, he's just like, he's just, he's, he gets his body in positions that he shouldn't be able to, like uh, nicking balls around the corner or whatever. Uh, that's not a very, yeah, it's not a mind bender, but whatever. Stretch Armstrong. Stretch Armstrong, there you go. Um, <laughs> Yuri Gillespie. Yeah, you, that's what, do you know what it is? <laughs> I'm not going to that, for another time. But anyway, just the, the I mean, the first goal, it's Hayden. So the, the, the front three go, I think it's um, Richie, um, um, uh, Perez and Rondon, I think, press the 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 defenders, and the ball gets played through them into midfield. And Hayden straight there, straight in, puts in a great sliding tackle. It's a sort of a just before the ball gets to the player, and, and he nicks it. And because those players have pushed on, they're in front of the the defense and, and get on the second ball. And then obviously it falls to Perez who who finishes brilliantly. But we just we wouldn't have created that chance had we not have had that high press. Again, the second goal, um, it's Hayden and Richie. On the, close on the um, touchline, putting pressure on the defence, and Richie um, just whips a ball up the line, and and then Rondon uh, gets on at the end of it, and it was just that that in, that intensity in the the pressing that we we were able to do in the first half, just could, they couldn't handle it, and it absolutely killed them. They got back into the game because we couldn't do that in the second half because they always had that extra man. Lumina obviously is really athletic himself, 
um, it was a lot, lot more uh, difficult to, to sort of press on on all on all of them because they had that extra man in the midfield. And mm. to Charlotte's point there with with Key and Hayden, I think they struggled a little bit to cover the ground in the second half because of that extra man. I mean, their goal comes where we've all been pushed up, we've, we all get dragged over to yeah. sort of the left side of the pitch. Redmond's on the ball and he, he sees Lamina breaking deep. He plays a ball in. I think it's War Prowse takes the first touch, but. It's such a bad touch because he's got little rat feet. Um, <laughs> Lamina nicks it off him and then and just whips it in the bottom corner. But um, yeah, it was just, I think Rafa could have, it's a difficult one because Rafa will probably think the way we were set up was perfect for the counter-attack in terms of Perez and Almiron at counter. So I can understand why he didn't change it. But at the same time, the way the game was going, it just, it, it felt like a, an equaliser might be coming in. Personally, I would have liked to maybe bring on Diame a bit earlier yeah. just to sort of strengthen that midfield and take the control back of the game that we'd sort of lost. Just the thing about Key, I noticed when in the second half, when we got under pressure uh, and we were for quite a bit, he just doesn't seem to like putting in tackles. Yeah. I, I don't think I saw him do one tackle all, all game. It's not his game, is it really? Yeah, it's, it, maybe he's just not very good at it. It's like knowing what you're good at. Um, I think you're right, Ben. I think the Diame sub made a big difference, not only in a defensive sense because he—he's a mind bender. If we're going to be—if we're going to be using this term, Do we have to. Yeah, and and by the way, we mean this in a kind of psychological way here, though. We're not being abusive at all no. towards anyone. Like, um, and like, essentially, he makes—he makes players go backwards. Diame, it's like just his presence compared. To, I mean, I know he played with Key. But Diame was basically given free roam. I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, and Rafa might have said it in Spanish because I know Diame played in Spain and speaks Spanish. But uh, getting into them, fuck them up, is probably what <laughs> is probably what Rafa said to Diame, um, and it works. But um, funny, funny moment yesterday uh, in the first half. I said to Ben when Key had a terrible shot, and he seems to have terrible shots most games. I was like. I would like Rafa to write into his contract that he's not allowed to shoot from outside the box. And then what happened in the second half? He hits an absolute brilliant shot inside of the post, which is so unlucky and Southampton very lucky to still be in the game. And it was a good, good. Uh, you mean you're talking about key shot? Yeah. 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 One thing I'll just say though, to defend Rafa, I thought our issue half time was as much sloppiness from the players as it was tactical. With relentlessly, Lascelles and Hayden, who both had good games were very, very lax in possession, giving the ball back to Southampton in crucial areas of the pitch. Uh, lack of communication, you know, that ball that went over to the back post and Matt Ritchie saying to Dubravka, leave it, and Dubravka could have easily claimed the ball yeah. and then nearly scored from it. Um, I just thought, and it's, it's natural, that A, Southampton are going to come out better because A, they couldn't have been as bad and B, the manager makes his changes and has a go at them. It's also natural that we maybe aren't as you know intense as we are these are normal things. You have no right in the Premier League, even at 2-0 up, to continue to dominate a game. That said, I still thought that we were really poor for that 50 minutes after half-time until Southampton scored. That goal, I feel, kind of woke us up a little bit. Um, we played a lot better from there on. We looked, if anything, more likely to get a third goal than they did an equaliser. And so, you know, the vast majority of the game, we played well. They kind of had 15 minutes after half-time where they dominated, didn't score, we got back into the game, but then lost Almiron, lost Sher, which were two huge blows. Two of our best players, you know, disrupts the rhythm. Although I thought Fernandez was very good when he came on. Mm. Um, who would like to talk to me about Paul Dummett? In fact, because I thought Paul Dummett was just inspirational yesterday. Oh my God, I'm so glad you said that. I thought you were going to be horrible about him and I thought he was amazing yesterday. So good. Just, although there was a moment, was there a moment with him that it did look like he was going to 
Score no go. What he did, what he did, he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fresher. Yeah, I thought he was great. Really, really good. Just um, a real sort of um, defensive force for us yesterday. Made made the made a massive difference throughout the game and put in a massive shift. So. I was very impressed. Also, he's growing out that stupid hair. So is that, he? Yeah, it looks like it. <laughs> I'm really fixated on people's hair or lack thereof. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. I think the there's two or three occasions where he was facing his own goal and managed to clear clear yeah. the ball. Um, very impressed. This one um, by <laughs> by by his ability to to be there in the situations which. Which it would have been easy, you know, it wouldn't have been his fault if we conceded goals in those situations, and yet he was still there. And he seems to be just a right place, right time defender. He was a couple of blocks in the first half at nil nil, and the rare occasions Southampton did get forward that he, he put in, which were really important. So, three cheers for Paul Dummett, Ben. <laughs> I I concur. Hip hip. <laughs> um, yeah, no, just just to reiterate that point, the, the blocks he was he was sort of there was a sort of few moments where it was last gas defending, it was Paul Dummett that, that came through and and provided that and I, I, what I was impressed with most yesterday by him in terms of again showing his development is when he was on the ball in the past he, he's, he's just he's always looking just for a clear clearance ball up the line um, doesn't really it's just a hit and hope doesn't really look for, for where the players were there was times yesterday where he was sort of selling the dummies he even um, sort of he, he knew when when and when not to pass and you can see he's building confidence in terms of being on the ball when he first came into the team he was I think he was terrified of, of losing the ball or, or sort of um, maybe getting caught in possession or something whereas he's, he's grown in, in stature now and he's, he's got a lot more confidence and as I say there was a couple of times where he, he was really composed on the ball he, he sort of would faint to play the ball up the line cut back hold on it and wait till the player made the run and the, the, the ball was on um, and I think that was something that I haven't seen from him in the past that he, you can see he's developing into a, um, a much more established and comfortable sort of Premier League player and, and can actually start to contribute in, in the build-up play whereas in the past he, was, he, he couldn't really do anything he was basically a, a spare part when, when we went forward so um, it's good to see he's developing uh, that side of his game because it, it's key when you look at the way we play now with when it's normally Lejeune and Shaw if either of them comes out we need somebody that's going to come in and, and try to at least replicate the same type of play okay he's not up to their level in that uh, in that area but yeah but you need to be willing and, and trying at least to sort of look for those those passes forward because we're, it's so we're so reliant on that asset of, in terms of the way we build our play so um, yeah like spot on for, for Paul yesterday well done son <laughs> Yeah, um, we can all agree on that one. Uh, a few things that I want to touch on now as we come to the end of the show. Um, big one as well for me is Matt Ritchie yesterday. You know, Ritchie this season, I thought he was really poor first half of the season when he was in his preferred position. Um, he struggled to win pack games, you know, whatever. He was far from the only one, by the way, playing in a bad team who didn't win, as Danny said, uh, until November. Um, since the move to left wing back, not only has he chimed in with crucial assists, crucial goals, uh, he's just the driving force of, of the team. And you know, there's a little bit of speculation about his future. Rafa came out in a press conference and said, "Listen, I don't even know my own future. How could I talk to players about their futures?" But it, he, he kind of, to an extent, embodies what Newcastle are, and and I mean this in the nicest possible way to Matt Ritchie, but he's maximising his ability at this level. 
Um, he gets by a lot, not on ability, particularly defensively, but on sheer willingness and like total commitment and effort to the cause. He runs himself into the ground. We were joking yesterday, weren't we, about how, you know, is there an angrier man in Britain uh, than <laughs> Matt Ritchie, <laughs> you know, being substituted in the 85th minute? Um, you know, cameramen of the UK should have learned by now not to put the camera on him as he's being subbed. <laughs> or there's always a commentator, it's like, apologies to any lip readers there. Like, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I just, I don't know about, about you guys, Charlotte uh, wants to chip yeah, in. Yeah, I just wanted to say on Richie yesterday, I felt like his pace was so much better. And I think it, is, it speaks to Southampton not being like as good as well. Like I was thinking about it in the context of the last game I went to, which was Arsenal. So obviously they've got some really fast players and how Richie just couldn't really keep up. Um, not for lack of trying, but, you know, just just couldn't really. And yesterday I thought, it's, it, I mean, it's it's about the players he was playing against as well, but he was just, it, it, it looks as though like he's putting the work in so much more there as well, just to try and keep up with the with with who he's, who he's defending. So I just wanted to say that. Well done <laughs> to him. Yeah, anyone else on Matt Ritchie? I think we've said it all. <laughs> I think it's all being said. The final thing for me, unless anyone else wants to raise anything, is just like, and I'm really keen to get the thoughts of uh, our two guests on this, is just yesterday screamed potential at me. Like, I don't know, again, you've been once before, Danny, and obviously you're a big fan, but Roberto, this is your kind of first impression. Um, And it's like, I saw a team that went from 15th to 12th in the league and there was a big party. And, you know, you look at the sun was out, which helps ramp up ground, great atmosphere, a team that was given everything, a world-class manager, um, everything seems to be there. And you know what, as an, adi- as an extension to that, who have we beaten? We've beaten Southampton, one of the form teams in the league. We beat Leicester, one of the form teams in the league before that. What have we seen of Wolves this season? Very little. We should have taken six points from Wolves and we're the better team in both games, I think. Um, and that was with 10 men for half an hour with one of them Everton what have we seen from Everton not a lot West Ham fair play West Ham you did what did what twice <laughs> superior we're now two point we're now two points behind them though considering that what they've got and that's that's the best of the rest of the Premier League has to offer isn't it that's who that's who that you know allegedly you know some fans are saying that the club's accounts last week and the comments from the managing director say that is unattainable for us but I don't think I think that would be an unfair assessment of what he said but I get I get where people are coming from like I think that if Rafa stays and is remotely back last season we finish seventh Daniel I'll come to you first did you do you share that vision of potential from what you saw yesterday and what your kind of assessment of the situation yeah because looking at the other teams that are above us now uh and how far or how many points you need to ju- just get the the eighth spot it's not really that much it's just it's more about us just getting going at the start of the season mm. and ending the season well we'd be we'd be fine but i think we need um i think it'll be a big summer it has to be because uh, some of the players want to wants to go and some of the players are going to go uh contracts and thing things like that so the potential is there and if if Rafa stays and he gets the money promised and they actually manage to buy three or four quality players, I I think that's I think that's it. I think we're there. 
I think we're competing. Cool. Great answer. Same question for Alberto. You know, obviously, I've been I, I've been trying to follow Newcastle as much more as I have in the past. You know, I've seen the bad start that they had uh, this season. I've obviously seen what they've been going through for many years. Obviously, with the with the problems with their owner Mike Ashley, with everything else that's been going on. But I think from my assessment and just just looking at what happened yesterday, I mean, just looking at that whole atmosphere, I mean, the people were telling me that, you know, this is as good as it gets. You don't really see this as often. And I, I just think to myself, just because it's such a huge club that, you know, the team supports, it's a, it's a sentient, people are passionate. And that's what I like. That's why I enjoy um, football in itself. I always like to see the passion that fans have for their team. Um, it's similar to that in Paraguay because we have that kind of, you know, passion for one team, always going to all the games, always just really enjoying it whether they win if they lose they obviously react in the way that they have to but just seeing that and seeing everything that could have possibly happened next that could possibly happen next season if they keep rafa because i think they're in a good position that you could get a better manager but i just think in the situation that the team is in it's it's unlikely that you will in the in the short span of time i think it's a wonderful opportunity that hopefully the owners will have some change of heart to to get yeah, I know. I know how big that is to, to say that. I'm trying to be ambitious here. Um, that it could help Rafa get what he wants. Like like Danny said, if he can get three or four players in, that could help the team moving forward. If you get rid of the the dead wood that has been affecting the team, you know, if you could really get a team that could function well and the support from, you know, you, you see it from the fans. You see it from everyone else. Um, every every If it's from the top brass, you have to get that as well then why can't they um, achieve something next season? And that's obviously to go to the top tables to compete with your your cities, your United, uh, Arsenal, Chelsea, that kind of thing. Um, you know, fight for the European spots. I think that's something that's... You, it, it's a long shot, I understand. But it's just... I feel that from assessing everything and just assessing how everything's just so connected and, and just that whole passion towards it, I think... It, it, it's it's worth a shot. It's worth something that could happen. And I'm really hopeful that, especially now, uh, just learning more about the club, the city, and, and overall just how how great it is. Um, I think they deserve it because that's just something that would make many people very happy if they can achieve a, a good run of results and hopefully a good season. Uh, Lovely stuff. Um yeah, no, well said both. And I suppose, you know, we'll end it. Uh, Roberto, first highlight of the trip so far? Um, <laughs> it's funny. Um, so, Charlotte here. That's me. That's you. She told me to, and I haven't gone yet at the moment of this recording, um, but I will soon. Uh, she told me to take a photo outside of a Greg's. Oh. Now, <laughs> I didn't know what it was. I, I had no idea. Institution. Then, exactly. That's what I found out eventually. And then, um, and then I, I was like, okay, I'll post. I'll see, post a photo, see what I can do with there. And I post a photo of me at St. James's Park and me at a Greg's. And it's got like, I think like 2,500 retweets or likes or something like that. No, no. Um, I think for me, it's just been... <laughs> so good it's great um no i think just for me obviously i still got more time here uh, in the city um just going around quayside and going around the whole area of newcastle city center um uh it, it's yeah it's been great i mean it's just i think um i'm happy that the weather is exceptionally well uh, it's exceptionally warm sunny um and just interacting with so many people interacting with so many 
people that have been so friendly with me. Um, they've been friendly for months, but just to see that in person, to see the good vibes that I see there, it's it's tremendous because I feel like uh, that's what a, I, I came into the city, obviously with some expectations, but I just wanted to come with an open mind and said, okay, come at me, see what, what happens and, and go from there. So it's been great so far. It's been a tremendous um, trip. And yeah, it's, it's winning me over every single day if it hasn't already. Charlie, you wanted to say something? Oh, no, I, I'm good. I'm very proud of the Greg's moment. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> same to Danny, same question. Uh, well, my highlight would have to be yesterday, yeah. of course. Any specific uh, moment, though? Any one, like, from the game? Yeah, Witherspoon. <laughs> <laughs> right, Ben? <laughs> well, quickly, which, which Witherspoons? Because Newcastle-based listeners be fascinated to know which establishment you took them to. Oh, the, the only one, HQ, uh, known as Milecastle, yeah. It's a long-running joke uh, from some of the, the podcasters that we're, we're loving out, out in the, uh, the, the spoon, so I thought, what better place to, to take two lads in a tune shirt at 11 o'clock at night uh, in, in me in, in me shorts uh, to, to sample the uh, Newcastle's best. So, so, hang on, hang on. Roberto's flown 3,000 miles and you've taken him to... Mile Castle, third was it the third floor? There's like a disco ball. Like in my in my defence, I wasn't the one. I went just middle ground, second floor. Let them choose. The Danny and Roberto marched up (laughs) to that top floor. One 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 moment. I'm just I'm I'm sitting there with a with a drink in my hand. I was I was sitting there with a drink in my hand, thinking, right, we're probably maybe to think about uh, going somewhere else, and then so oh, where where the lads gone? And they've they've just absolutely marched up these uh, the stairs in in Malcat to the top floors. Oh well, there's our uh, there's the decision made. So uh, I, I followed. Newcastle United winning football matches it does uh, does strange things to people. Um, Right, this has been your True Faith Podcast. Thanks so much to, to you two guys, Charlotte and Ben. Uh, it's been a pleasure to record. It's always a pleasure to talk about Newcastle United when they win games of football. Long may it continue. We will be back with a free podcast. Myself and Charlotte are at uh, Brighton next week. Big game for Brighton, that. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, obviously this week we've got absolutely loads of additional content for you on Patreon. Please do consider giving it a go. Uh, thanks for listening. Be back with you all very soon. Goodbye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.